Good morning, everybody. Um, you can see me. I'm Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. I actually can see you. Nancy Jenks, you with me this morning? Yeah, see, I can see you. Joe, what's up? Long time no see. Good to see you. Anyway, it's so good to be together here at Marine Covenant Church. We are in First Peter, summer in the scriptures, cranking our way through um, the book of First Peter. But before we jump into the book of First Peter, I need you to raise your hand. Do any of you have people who do CrossFit in your life? Any CrossFit people? in your life. Now, here's the deal. You would know if you had CrossFit people in your life because it's like the very first thing they're always going to tell you, right? Every time you're with them, they're like telling you about their wad or whatever burpee thing they're doing. Like it's like the very first thing. In fact, um, I was looking up some CrossFit stuff and I came immediately upon some CrossFit jokes, which I think are actually work, right? One is a vegan and a CrossFitter walk into a bar. So how do you know? Well, it's easy. They told everyone within the first two minutes. Here's another one, right? If a vegan does CrossFit, what do they talk about first? And uh, this is my favorite one. If you ever saw the movie Fight Club, the first rule of CrossFit is you always talk about CrossFit. And uh, what I think is fun about CrossFitters and vegans for that matter is both of those are these lifestyles that actually compel you to share with other people. They're, they're lifestyles that change your actual body. They change your worldview. And uh, people often have questions. Uh, my buddy um, uh, Todd, he was a CrossFitter and I noticed his body, he was getting all jacked and I was compelled to ask him what happened. He said, man, I'm doing CrossFit. And um, same thing, you, you talk to people who, who, who are vegans and their you know, skin's nicer and you ask them questions and they're compelled to share their new life with you. Well, as we hop into our passage in First Peter, we've had a couple uh, weeks of really challenging topics, but really the overarching theme of this topic is this idea that we are called to share our faith with one another. We are called to be people who've been so transformed by the love of Christ, who've been so impacted by him that our life um, exudes hope. And just like my buddy Todd, who's just all jacked now, um, we live in such a way because of hope that people are compelled to ask us about our faith. And we get the opportunity to share the good news of Christ with them. And I love um, the, the gift it is to share Christ. The whole reason why I became a pastor, the whole reason why I've just dedicated my whole life to this is because I think Jesus changes the, our lives individually. It has a chance to change communities and the whole world corporately as the kingdom of God makes itself more and more apparent. So with all that being said, if you open your Bible, your Bible, turn to 1 Peter, and we're just going to take a look at one verse in the readings that we have for this week. So here we are, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. It says this, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But you do this with gentleness and respect. And this morning, we're just going to look at these three, these three points really simply to revere Christ as Lord, to be prepared to give an answer for the hope, and that we do this with gentleness and respect. Well, as we've seen the last few weeks, this is exactly what Peter's inviting us to do. We set apart Christ as Lord. We revere him as Lord. We recognize that Jesus is our king. He is our ruler. He is our master. He is the one that we submit to. And if he is our ruler and he is our king, well, then we are compelled to live as good citizens. Right? We, we have to submit to the king. We honor the king. We have to live in this unjust world. And somehow in this unjust world, we as Christians have to find this way that we live as followers of Christ, as good citizens doing good. 
But we do that because we set apart, we set apart Christ as Lord. Last week, Danny talked about how we do this in marriage and in our intimate relationships, especially if we're married uh, or connected to people who don't know Christ yet. We live in such a way that we want to honor Christ. So even when things are really challenging, we do that as an offering to Christ. We set apart Christ as Lord and then when we do that, it should elicit some sort of reaction. What's interesting is um, Peter says that the, the thing that our lives should be characterized by is hope. And a lot of times we think our lives should be characterized by love. That's a good one. But for many of us, I think in our hearts, we think our lives should be characterized by blessing and power and status. And if we have more and more status, if we have a bigger and bigger platform, then we'll have the opportunity to share Christ with everybody. I don't mean to throw Arv under the bus. I can see you, Arv, and so you can talk to me later about this. But Arv actually wanted to be an Olympic athlete at one point. And he he shared the story with me about one day he was going to be an Olympic athlete. And that would be his opportunity to use his platform to share about Christ. And uh, God's like, no, unfortunately, you don't get to do that. You get a different platform. But it's interesting. That's our mindset. We want a bigger platform to share Christ. And... Paul, Peter saying, no, it is not a bigger platform. It is this hope that we have. There's this biblical definition of, of hope that I found that says this, that hope is commonly used to mean a wish. Its strength is the strength, but truly it's the strength of the strength of the person's desire. Excuse me. Sorry, but this is what hope means. But in the Bible, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised. And its strength is in his faithfulness and not ours. And so hope is no longer connected to our circumstances. It doesn't matter if we're living in a season of blessing or a season of suffering. We recognize who Christ is. We set him apart as Lord and our hope is in his future, in his faithfulness. And you know, because you've been around people who are filled by hope and there is something unique. You've been around nice people and you've, there's plenty of nice people, but people who are filled with hope is a unique type of person. And when we walk around as people committed to Christ and hope is our, fu- is our fruit, we are compelled, people will be compelled to ask us where this hope comes from. And just like our crossfitting friends, they know, man, what is happening with your body? Let me tell you. And then they are right, right there, ready to tell you about their workouts and their wads and their community and how much pale ale they drink and the whole bit. So we, as Christ, as Christ followers, want to put the crossfitters to shame. We should be ready to share the good news of Christ. So it says, when someone asks you about this hope, you should be prepared. So first Peter, right? It says that we uh, to revere Christ as Lord and then we are to be prepared. Um, sorry, I, I thought I had it memorized, but now I got all nervous. Um, to always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. So the, the implication is someone at some point is going to ask you about this hope and you should be prepared. And there's one way to be prepared, which is actually pretty simple. And that is for you to actually have a testimony that you have an actual encounter with Christ. It does, you don't have to defend it with theology. You don't have to defend it with apologetics. You have had some encounter with Christ. And if someone asks you about this hope, you get to share about that encounter. I mean, I think back to my own life, I always wish I had some dramatic gutter to glory story that I was like, you know, just down on my luck and I did all the awful things forever and ever. And Jesus swept down, pulled me up out of the gutter, changed my life and I've never sinned again. And I've just been this beacon of purity and power and blessing. But that's not how Christ got a hold of me. Christ got a hold of me slowly and steadily, year over year. And for a long time, I wasn't even sure if I had a testimony. 
But looking back over the 30 plus years of, of walking with Christ, I see the way that Jesus has gradually and slowly changed me and transformed me and is conforming me more and more into his image. One of the ways that I see it happening more and more, and my, my wife may disagree, but I'm working on this food, I promise, is that my heart, which is like the Grinch's, it's like three sizes too small for a whole variety of reasons. Um, I've noticed over the years that Christ has slowly and steadily increased my heart, increased my capacity for empathy and feeling and love. And I've seen the way he's healed my relationships with my mom and my dad and those around me. And Fu, I know you don't feel that way, but it is growing more and more. So we want to be able to be prepared to share our testimony, the ways in which Christ has found us. It doesn't have to be dramatic and huge. It can be small and incremental, but that is your story. That is your testimony. But it is helpful too, to recognize that our faith is not just an experiential faith, but it is a faith about a real person who was in a real historical context. Jesus of Nazareth was a real person. And there's plenty of books. There's plenty of great resources. Many of us grew up reading books by C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, and Josh McDowell, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And there were these great apologetic books. And for a season when we all agreed in the Judeo-Christian Western civilization worldview, and we had all these things in common, those books were great resources to kind of have a starting point to help people find Christ. And, um, but what's interesting is more and more, we're finding less that we have less and less common with each other. We have totally different worldviews. Our worlds have gotten smaller. We interact with people from different religions, from different parts of the world, people who don't um, share a Western civilization or Judeo-Christian mind and world and ethic. And so we find the, 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 the apologetics that we used to be able to share our faith don't quite work as well. And what's so great is just like C.S. Lewis was incredible in his time in the forties, like 80 years ago, thankfully there's people today who are writing um, resources for us to, to help us grow and share in our faith. One I want to recommend is this book, uh, Simply Christian, written by N.T. Wright. And I love this book so much because what N.T. Wright does is he, um, I'm going to hold it like this for a second, is what he does is he doesn't believe in this foundational understanding of truth. He recognizes that cultures all over the world sh share four important things. Every culture, everywhere in the world, all of them value justice and worship and love and beauty. Now they all have different expressions of it, but in every part of the world, they share those things in common. Those are high values. And yet no one can live up to those values anywhere in the world. And every part of the world is trying to find a way to reconcile their high values for these things, but the human propensity to screw it up all the time. And then he goes on to share the story of Jesus and how Jesus is the ultimate person who brings restoration and brings God's values into, into alignment through the Holy Spirit. So that's one. Um, and I've just recently reread this book called Prophetic Lament by Soon Chan Ra. And I highly recommend this as well, because what's happening is the world is changing. Um, the, the kind of victorious Christianity, Jesus is the answer. He's going to give us blessing and work on this upward trajectory for blessing and life and victory and victory and victory. And if your life doesn't experience victory, you're like, well, how do I defend that faith? And Sung Chan Ra writes this incredible book about lamentations and about how this, how even in seasons of suffering and challenge, there's a way to honor God. And there's a word for the church and there's a word for you and your friends. So I love um, all those books, um, but all of, but the challenge is we want to be prepared to have an answer for our faith. So we need to have a personal testimony and a personal encounter with Christ. And we also should be loving the Lord with our mind and reading books and listening to podcasts and challenging each other to make sure our faith is intellectually rigorous. So when people have real faith, real questions about who Jesus is, we have a defense for our faith.
And the last part is how do we do this? How do we defend our faith? How do we have an answer for our faith? Well, we're called to do it with gentleness and respect. Now, you may not know this about me. And by looking at me, you may not even believe this because you look at me and you think, man, Ben Kearns, you are one handsome, strong, powerful man. And I'm like, I know it's true. But when I was a freshman in high school, I, uh, I, was, I was bullied my whole freshman year. Um, and I think it was unfair. Um, I was a band geek um, and I was played in the rhythm section and the lady who played the piano was a sophomore and we became really good friends. You know, rhythm section people, we stick together and we became really good friends, but she happened to be dating this junior. And why this junior was threatened by me, this prepubescent freshman, I will never know. But he was threatened by me and he spent the whole year bullying me, pushing me around. We had a boat dance. He threatened to throw me off the boat. I mean, I just lived in terror my entire freshman year until the end of my freshman year. He finally couldn't have any more and he threw some punches, knocked me to the ground and uh, it did not, well, it was embarrassing and awful all the way around. But what's interesting about that, I, uh, I'll never forget that because I think I've always lived with this terror of, man, what happens if I get confronted with somebody? both physically, intellectually, right? If you get confronted by somebody, how do you react? How, do you, how are you going to respond? And so for me, I want to respond by being bigger and stronger and smarter. And so if I know we're going to have a debate about something, I'm going to do all of my homework all day. I'm going to read everything that you're going to, you've been reading plus more. So I am ready. Strength um, is going to win every time. If someone's going to come after me physically, right? I'm going to size them up and I'm going to overpower them with strength or I'm going to run like crazy. That's kind of our new chance. That's how we think about it. And so when we think about defending our faith. Most of us put on, we, are, we need strength. We need raw strength and we just need to steamroll the person that we're talking to, or we just need to flee because we don't have the answers. But what I love is the art of jujitsu because jujitsu is a totally different way of fighting. Instead of just coming at someone with raw strength, a jujitsu fighter takes the momentum that somebody else has at them and leverages their power, their momentum and flips it on their head. And I think that is the way that God is inviting us to share his faith, that we are people that don't need to be scared. We don't need to bully. We don't need to like be strong uh, um, and and force our opinion. We get to be listeners. We bring gentleness and respect. And when people come at us and have questions, we actually get to take those questions, those concerns. We listen to the Holy Spirit and see how the Holy Spirit is discerning in that moment because their questions, their anxiety, their fears are actually an opportunity to think, man, God is doing something. What's the question below the question? What are the questions that they have? What What are the ways that God's wired me that I'm uniquely able to answer. And we get to use jujitsu in a way that meets them where they're at and encounters and helps them encounter Christ. And Jesus did spiritual jujitsu all the time. You notice how Jesus did his ministry. He never just showed up and did one thing to everybody, right? The way he talked with Nicodemus, when Nicodemus came to his house at nighttime, this, this Pharisee, this biblical scholar, he was able to sit down with him and reason with him. And he understood his issues, his concerns, and he talked directly to him. The rich young ruler, he had a whole different set of ways that he talked to the rich young ruler. To the woman at the well, you know, he, he knew exactly who she was. She, he found where she was, sat down with her. In fact, actually ended up giving the most incredible teaching about worship to the Samaritan woman. And my favorite story is the story of Zacchaeus, where Jesus saw him, sought him out, invited himself to his house. And in every one of these encounters, when you read, you realize Jesus is not a one-trick pony. He doesn't just come at us individually. I mean, the same way to every single person. He discerns what is happening with the person in front of him. He comes and approaches them with gentleness and respect. 
and he reasons with them. He sees them and he ends up ultimately sharing about his kingdom with them. And I think this is exactly what God is inviting us to do. As Christians, as followers of Christ, through the book of 1 Peter, we recognize we live in a world that is no longer a Christian world. It is no longer a Christian country, a Christian culture, whatever our worldview is about how the world used to be. But we live in this dramatically post-Christian moment. And instead of living in fear, we are people that are called to set apart Christ as Lord. And to be prepared for this hope that we have, which means we need to encounter Christ. We, that hope has to be real and genuine. We need to grow our mind and our intellect so that we have an def- intellectual defense for our faith as well. And then we do it with gentleness and respect. I love the way that Paul says this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, verse 19, he says this. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jew, I've become like the Jew to win the Jews. To those who are under the law, I've become like those under the law as to those to win and those under the law. To those not having the law, I've become like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I become weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. I love that. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. And that really is the heart of Peter in this giant passage that we've been reading. And it is my heart. And I would hope that it'd be your heart as we do church together as Marin Covenant Church, that we would see our life and our posture in ministry as we are willing to do all things, to become all things, to meet every single spiritually hungry person we come in contact with, with exactly where they are at, to plop down beside them and to graciously and slowly walk with them as they walk towards Christ. And so I have a couple questions for you as I wrap up this morning. And the, the overarching question is this, would you consider being ready to share your faith this week with gentleness and respect? And what's interesting is you're sheltered in place. You're living at home. Like, who are you even going to interact with? Well, here's something interesting to think about. Your entire life is lived online these days. And what's so funny about our, our, our Marine Covenant Church, for some reason, it is not part of our habit to really share our faith or our church or our ministry online. We have very private lives online. We do lots of really fun adventures, but we we're a church for whatever reason is not in the habit of sharing the hope that we have online. And so here's a, a gentle encouragement for you is to think about some way this week, would you be willing to share the hope that you found in Christ online in your social media world? And you're going to do it in a way that works with your language, with your world, with the ways that you interact. I'm going to do it differently than the way that you're going to do it. But think about your faith has encountered and impacted you in some way. Would you be willing to share the hope that you have online? The second is, would you pray that God would open up doors for conversations? I find myself, I'm so busy all the time with my eyes down, being disciplined and driven for the thing that's right in front of me. And I I miss so many conversations. But what if we started our week with this posture of God, would you open up opportunities for conversation and things and realize that most of the conversations, interactions we have, there is an opportunity to share Christ. Something for you to think about, can you articulate the reasons for your hope? Might be good this week to actually maybe jot down in your journal, uh, your testimony, the ways in which Christ has encountered you. Would you share and write down and reflect on the ways that you've encountered Christ? 
And then lastly, I just want you to know that like for me personally, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking a little out of turn because I'm actually pretty shy. I don't like interactions with people. I don't even like talking to people who are my friends, let alone strangers about my faith. But the church is actually a very unique place. We are a gathering of God's people where two or three are gathered. The Holy Spirit is actually here and inviting people to come and be a part of our church is a way that we get to share the good news of Christ with other people. And while people are isolated and alone, we actually get to share Zoom, how safe is it to share a Zoom church with someone? They don't even have to go and sit with you in church and, and you don't have to be uncomfortable with them. They just get to show up on a screen with no camera and see if this is something that God has for them or not. And so would you be willing to share your faith, your faith community with those around you? Well, as we wrap up our time, we are going to spend a little time in worship. We're going to come to the table because it really is this cycle that happens over and over and over again that we set apart Christ as Lord, we come to Jesus and recognize that He is Lord, He is our Savior, He is the one that we turn to who's gonna satisfy our deepest longings. And as He does, He transforms us and He changes us and He causes hope to be born. And our prayer is that we actually are ready to share that hope with others and we do that with gentleness and respect. And so would you join me in worship as we get to begin that process together again, setting apart Christ as Lord, recognizing the hope that we have in Christ as we continue to worship him this morning.